Welcome to the New Song Church Sermon Podcast. Here at New Song, we want to help people get to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. If you have any questions about us or want to learn more, you can check us out online at www.new-song-church.com. We'd love for you to stay connected with us throughout the week through our church app. It's free and available wherever you download apps. Just search keyword new song. And now, check out our message of the week. With Easter in mind, we're starting just a really short two-part series, both this Sunday and next Sunday, that we're calling The Cross Equals Love. And like I said, next Sunday being Palm Sunday, Pastor Justin's going to be back here. We're going to be taking communion. But... You know, when, when we think of the cross, when, when, when people think of, you know, the, the cross that, that Jesus died on, it, it can conjure up some different thoughts, some different ideas, some different emotions inside people. Um, one of them might be when, 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 when they think of the cross, they, they think of just the, the violence and the brutality of what took place on that cross over 2,000 years ago. If you ever saw the, the Passion of the Christ, you get a little bit of a glimpse of what that was actually like. Uh, for, for some, it brings up feelings of guilt, feelings of dread, of, of knowing, all right, I, I know that I'm not living the way I'm supposed to. Um, for, for some people, it brings up feeling of, of old, stuffy religion. I, I, I'll be honest, that's, that was me. You know, for, for years, that's what I thought. When, when I thought of the cross, when I thought of the church, I just thought of just, oh, just boring organ music and oh, who, would want, who would want that? But, but I'll tell you, the, the overall the overarching message of the cross really is all about love. And, and in fact, the, the most famous scripture in the entire Bible, John 3:16, says as much, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him would not perish but have eternal life. For God so loved the world. The, the whole point of the cross is love. And, and so that's really what we're gonna be talking about for the next two Sundays of, of the whole idea of God, what took place on that cross was completely motivated by God's love for you. So, so where we're going to start this morning is really talking about Jesus' last words, the, the final words that Jesus said while he was here on this earth. And, and if you've ever been with somebody as they're, as they're close to death, as they're getting ready to die, there's something, something that sometimes happens where somebody wants to share kind of their final, their final words, their final thoughts, and they'll gather family, they'll gather people who they love, people who, who they're in contact with close to them, and they'll just share some final words with them before they pass on in, into eternity. And, and a lot of times, you know, these can be just kind of those, these final few important things I want to communicate. These are going to be the last things I'm able to share with my loved ones, and so I want to be able to, to share this with you before, I, before I, I leave this earth. And so I want to share with you some of Jesus's last words. Now, now this is going to be familiar to an awful lot of you, but but it can, it's going to give us some common ground to kind of walk on as we as we talk about God's word this morning. So we're going to start in Matthew chapter twenty-eight, verses eighteen through twenty. It says, "Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the in the name of the Father." and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. That the, the, the final thing that Jesus shared with his followers, the very last thing he shared with them before, before he left this earth was, I want you to go. 
That, that, that was, that was the, the crux of his message. I want you to go and make disciples. And, and, if, and if you look up the word disciple, it actually means a, a learner, a follower, and an adherent. That Jesus' final command to, to his followers was, I want you to go. I want you to make other disciples. I want you to make other followers, other, other learners, other adherents to what, you, to what you've said. He said, I, I want you to go and make disciples, and make disciples. He's instructing them. He's saying, I want, you to, I want you to tell other people what you've seen. I want you to tell other people what you've experienced. I want you to teach other people what I've been teaching you. And, and these final words are, are what we often call the, the Great Commission, all right, that, that, that's what it, it's normally known as, you know, in, in the church, and, and even people outside the church generally kind of know that the Great Commission is Jesus kind of given this final statement of saying, hey, this is what I want you to do. I want you to go into all the earth, into all the nations, and I want you to make some disciples. And so I, I, I looked up the, the word commission. I put it on your, your sermon notes there, just the, the definition of commission, and it's an instruction a command or a duty given to a person or a group of people being officially charged with a particular function. And so Jesus has given us, the church, an invitation. He's given us an instruction. He's given us a command that we have a duty to make disciples of all the nations. And this isn't just the job of, of pastors. It's not just the job of evangelists. It's just not the job of missionaries, that this, is a, this isn't just the job of people who are in full-time ministry or people who are extroverted or, or people who have been saved for 20 years. No, this, this is the job for the entire, the entire, the entire church, that, that when, when Jesus gave this command, it was for every believer in Jesus Christ, every believer, every follower that, that he has. And so if you've been saved and Jesus has changed your life, this command is for you. If, if, if everybody who's sitting in the sanctuary, who, who's been saved, who's been set free, who's been delivered from some things, this command, this great commandment, or this great commission is for you. Now, this doesn't mean you have to be like a, a street corner evangelist who's hollering at everybody who's walking by that they need to get saved and they need to repent. Um, you know, and, and in fact, unless Jesus tells you specifically to do that, I'd encourage you not to, um, but, but we can all do something. Like, every one of us can do something. Every one of us has a story to tell, and every one of us has people in our lives who need to hear the story. Every one of us. And, and so, I'll, I'll tell you this. This whole idea, the Great Commission, of us going and telling our story to others, helping win people to Jesus, I would argue is probably the most important thing we can do as believers. It's more important than coming to church, it's more important than reading your Bible. It's more important than praying that helping win other people to Jesus Christ is the most important thing that you can do. And let me show you why. So letter A, I want you to write this down. The biblical description of those who do not know Jesus Christ is lost. That, that, that lost, that, that is the word that the Bible uses to describe those who don't know Jesus. The Bible doesn't use the word unsaved. It uses the word lost. And, and I'm sure everybody in here, or at least most people in here, are probably at least somewhat familiar with the story of Zacchaeus. Like, if you grew up in church, you probably, you know, remember Zacchaeus was a wee little man. All right, you know, like, and, and, and you know, Zacchaeus, he was this tax collector. He had been 
he, he'd been taking more than his share from the people. He had been stealing from, from those. And, and Jesus comes to Zacchaeus, and he, and he says, Zacchaeus, I, I want to spend some time with you. I, you, and, you and me, we're, we're going we're to have some dinner together. We're going we're gonna to hang out. And people were appalled. They were upset that Jesus was going to spend some time with, with this, this tax collector, this sinner, the, this thief. And, and, and eventually, you know, Zacchaeus, his life is changed in a moment. That, that he had this encounter with Jesus and his life, his heart has been changed. And he goes to Jesus and he says, you know what? I'm going to give back four times as much as I stole from, from everybody. And, and I mean, he, he says, not, you know, not, only, not only do I accept forgiveness, but I'm going to go and I'm going to try to make things right of the, of the people that I'm, I've wronged. And, and Jesus has a statement. I want to read it to you in Luke 19, verses 9 through 10. This is how Jesus responded to Zacchaeus. He said, Jesus responded, salvation has come to this home today. For this man has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham. For the son of man, meaning Jesus, came to seek and to save those who are lost. Now that, that last statement, if you can leave it up there for just a moment. For the son of man came to seek and to save those who are lost. Jesus really kind of summarizes his primary mission right here in this one statement. That his, his whole ministry, the whole reason he came to earth was to seek and to save those who are lost. It wasn't to heal, although we're, we're grateful for his healing. You know, it, it wasn't to do miracles, although we're grateful for it. Jesus came to seek and to save those who were lost. And in fact, over and over again, Jesus affirms that that's what his primary mission was. It, 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 I mean, he told stories, he told parables uh, about those who are lost. I, I mean, you, and you can read them in the Bible. There's the parable of the lost sheep. That, that I'm sure most of us know that he talks about the, the shepherd who, who is willing to leave his 99 sheep who were found to go seek after the one that was lost. Or, or the parable of the lost coin that this woman had, had some silver coins in her house, but she turned her house upside down to try to find her one lost silver coin. Or, or, or the, the parable of the lost son, or you know, it, it's more commonly known as the parable of the prodigal son, that, that, that the son... He had rejected his father. He had, he'd gone off, lived a, a, a terrible life, you know, wasted, wasted his life, came back home, and his father welcomed him back with open arms. And not only that, he threw a giant party for him when, when he got home. That, that repeatedly, Jesus tells us that his primary concern is seeing his lost children found. And, and I'll tell you, it, it, that's easy to see why. That, that as a parent, there's nothing scarier than losing one of your kids. There's nothing scarier in the world than losing one of your kids. I have a little bit of experience with this, that I have four kids, and my oldest, Regan, she's my sports girl. Like, Regan is my one who will come and sit down and watch an entire Packer game with me. You know, like my other kids, they'll kind of come in and out, but Regan, she'll sit down and watch the entire game. And Regan, she'll watch an entire baseball, like an entire nine-inning baseball game. And she's asking questions. She's wanting to kind of understand, all right, why are they doing this? And I mean, she, she is my sports girl. And so when, when Regan was, was seven, I took Regan to her first Major League Baseball game at Wrigley Field. The Brewers were taken on the Cubs. In fact, I have, a, I have a picture I want to show you real quick. Oh, that's not from that game. That's actually the current standings right now. The Brewers are in first place at seven and two. The Cubs are almost in last at two and six. I, I'm sorry, I must have accidentally put that one in there. Um, but, but, but anyways, so I, I took Regan at, at seven years old 
to her first Cubs game. And, and, and I literally could not make this up. The very last thing Angela says to me before we leave is, now don't lose her. Like, that, that's the last thing she said to me before we left. And of course, you know, being a dad, being a guy, I'm like, yeah, she'll be fine. Don't worry. And so I take her to the game. And, and at one point, of course, you know, Regan, she needs to go use the bathroom. And she's seven years old. She's kind of getting to that age where you don't necessarily want to take her into the men's room and especially the men's room at Wrigley Field and, you know, and all that. So, so I, walk, I walk Regan to the ladies' bathroom and I said, all right, you know, hon, you, you'll go in. I'm going to be standing right here. I'll be waiting right outside the door for you. And she goes inside and, and she's in there for a while. And I'm thinking, wow, I hope she's okay. It's taken a long time. You know, I, I, hope that, I hope that she's feeling all right. And I was getting ready to, to ask one of the ladies who was going in if she would just kind of call out for Regan, just kind of check on her and all this. And I overhear somebody saying that the exit to this bathroom wasn't right here. It was actually down the hallway and around a corner. And immediately my heart sank because I, I knew exactly what had happened. And so I, I, I ran over to where the, the exit of, of this bathroom was. And, and of course, my girl, being, you know, being, being the great girl she is, she was like, well, you know, like, I can't go out the entrance. I got to go out the exit. So she went out the exit, and she's, and she's looking for me, and I'm not there. And, and, and I'm, I'm looking around. I'm trying to find her and trying to find her, and I, I start to panic. And, and I tell you, like, if, if you are a parent and you've ever lost your child, you know what the, I mean, there is no feeling in the world like feeling like, wow, my, my child is, is lost. And I'm calling for her and all this, and, and I'm looking probably hysterical. And this woman comes over to me, and she says, are you okay? And I, I said, yeah, I, I've lost my daughter. I don't know where she is. And she said, is she kind of a curly-haired little girl with a brewer's cap on? And I said, yes. She said, oh, she was standing here crying, asking for her dad. <laughs> and so I took her to one of the ushers, and they took her to the fan assistance center. And I just wanted to hug this woman. <laughs> and, and I said, oh, okay, like, Where's the fan assistance center? And so she points me to where it is. And I don't think I've ever run that fast in my entire life. I, I, I got to the, the fan assistance center and, and I saw Regan and she's crying and I'm crying. And I just held my girl for a few minutes there. And, and, and I tell you, as a dad, there is nothing in the world that, like that awful feeling of knowing that you've lost one of your kids. And there's no feeling in the world like being able to embrace your child after she's been found again. And, and I tell you, that is the exact same heart that Jesus has for his, for his lost children. And, and I tell you, th this story has, has th this experience with Regan has forever changed the way I view this topic uh, of Jesus's heart for the lost. And, and I'm telling you, that, that was literally probably the scariest 10 minutes of, of my entire life. And, and had somebody said to me at that, in that moment, oh, well, you know, you have three other kids. You know, like... I. Like, I probably would have, like, wanted to punch him in the face, you know, and, and ask for forgiveness later. Or, I, no, I actually probably wouldn't have asked for forgiveness. But, 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 but I'm telling you, like, Jesus takes his lost children seriously. It's his most important mission that, that Jesus has that same passion and that same burden that we have for our kids. He has that same passion and that same burden for his lost kids as well. And so I, I, I'm, I'm telling you, the winning the lost, bringing the lost into the family of God, finding them is Jesus' primary 
concern. Now, now this next statement I'm going to share with you might seem so incredibly obvious, but it's something that's a little more difficult to actually put into action. I'll explain why in a minute. So letter B, I want you to write this down. The cross is for everyone. The cross is for everyone. And intuitively, we get that. Like, we, we get the whole idea for, for God so loved the world. Like, we, we know, we understand that, that, that God loves everybody, that the cross is for everyone. But we, it, it's a lot harder for this to actually play out in, in real life. And, and so I'm, I'm going to just kind of share an example of this from Scripture with you. And, and I'm, I'm, I, I put in your sermon notes to see, see Acts chapter 10 and 11, like, it, it's, it's a very long passage. I'm not going to read the, the entire thing to you. So I'm going to kind of just give you the Cliff Notes version of what's going on here. But, but in Acts chapter 10, Jesus has ascended into heaven, and, and his church is starting to explode. You know, like, people are going out, people are getting saved, people are coming into the family of God. The church is starting to grow and to expand. And, and what was happening at, at this point is, is up until this point, the majority of, of believers were Jewish. A majority of the, of the people that, that were the early Christians who had come into the church, they were Jewish because a lot of what happened was when, 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 the, when the early church, when the early believers would go out and start sharing the gospel, they would speak in the synagogues. They, they would start to share with other Jewish believers, people who had, who had lived a Jewish life and they'd come and they'd put their faith in, in Jesus Christ. Well, Peter, he was pretty much the leader of the early church. From from the from the very beginning, Peter, you know, kind of uh, Jesus's, I suppose, chief uh, chief disciple. He was kind of the the leader of of the church at this point. And and you can read more about this. In fact, I'd I'd highly encourage you read Acts chapter ten and eleven. But you, God gives Peter a vision in Acts chapter ten, and and in this vision, he he he's he's telling Peter. He said, you know what, the gospel is not just for the Jews. The gospel is for the Gentiles as well. Gentiles are anybody who's not Jewish. That, that, that he, he really kind of opens Peter's eyes and says, all right, for, right currently what, what's been happening is the, the, the gospel has been spreading like wildfire amongst the Jews. But now we're going to open up an entire new door. We're, we're going to start, the, the gospel is meant for, for the Gentiles as well, for, for those who, who don't follow the Jewish, Jewish beliefs. And I tell you, this was an entirely radical concept, like a, 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 an earth-shaking concept, because for thousands of years, the Jewish people had been God's chosen people. Like, when God was going to do something on the earth, he always chose to do it through the Jews, through the Jewish people. And now, he was opening up the floodgates and saying, you know, it's not just going to be this exclusive club anymore. Now, this is going to be open to everybody. And I, and I tell you, this was, this was monumental for, for a number of reasons. And, and as much as Peter received this vision from God, and, and he recognized it, he verbalized it, he talked about it, things got a little bit tense. Things got a little bit tense, and it got so tense, in fact, that Paul, the Apostle Paul, the, the, the Paul who wrote the majority of the New Testament, actually has to come set Peter straight at one point. And, and I'm going to read that for you in Galatians chapter 2, and it'll be up on the screen, Galatians 2, verses 11 through 13. It says, when Cephas, Cephas is another name for Peter, when Cephas came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face. And I would not want the Apostle Paul opposing me to my face. 
All right, he, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. For before certain men came from James, he used to eat with the Gentiles. But when they arrived, he began to draw back and separate himself from the Gentiles because he was afraid of those who belonged to the circumcision group. The other Jews joined him in his hypocrisy so that by their hypocrisy, even Barnabas was led astray. So, so let me kind of explain what, what's going on here. So there, there, there was a large group of Jewish believers who, you know, they, they accepted what Peter said, you know, that God gave me this vision that, that the, the gospel isn't just for the Jews, it's also for the Gentiles now. And, and when the Gentiles started to get saved, and, and this was great, and there was a large group of Jewish believers that thought, all right, if a Gentile comes to faith in Jesus, they need to start following all of the Jewish laws. They need to be circumcised. They need to follow the dietary restrictions. All, all those Old Testament rules and Old Testament laws, they, they thought, all right, we need to impose this on the Gentiles. Well, the Gentiles didn't. Like, and I don't blame them. I, <laughs> I mean, does anybody blame the Gentiles for not wanting to be circumcised as an adult? I don't think so. Does anybody blame the Gentiles for wanting to still eat bacon? Well, no, of course not. Like, we, we get it, right? But, but a group of the Jews said, no, 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 no. They, they need to follow these Jewish laws. And so what they decided to do is they decided to separate themselves, all right? So all, all of the, the Jewish believers, when they got together and had a meal, they sat and ate together over here. And all the Gentile believers, they would come and sit over here because they were different. They had different beliefs. They, you know, they, they, they didn't kind of follow this Christianity thing the exact same way. And, and, and what happens here is there, there was this tension. And at first, Peter, he would come and he would eat with the Gentile believers, but then he probably heard some, some of the, the Jewish believers start talking. And, and he said, no, or you know what? I should probably just stay over here. I should stay with my, my fellow Jews over here. And, and, and Paul comes in and pretty much reads him the riot act. You know, like I mean, Paul, Paul comes in and says, Peter, you're wrong. The, the way you're living this out, this gospel is for everybody regardless of, of how they live, regardless of how they act, regardless of if they have some different beliefs, if they look different, they eat different, they act differently than you do, the gospel is for everybody. And in fact, just a few verses later in, in Galatians, Paul gives his, his famous verse that there's neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, neither, nor is there male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. New song, I'll tell you this, the cross is for everyone. The cross is for everyone, and it's especially for those who aren't here yet. The cross is for those who aren't here yet. And, and I'll tell you, they can be messy. Those that aren't here yet, they can look different. They can act different. They can have different political beliefs. They can even have different scriptural beliefs than we have. But the cross is for everybody. God didn't create the church to be a selective group, a selective club, where we can pick and choose who we want to be a part of it. That, that's not it at all. In fact, this coming week, the Masters Golf Tournament is going to be taking play, place at Augusta National Golf Club. I mean, this is like the highlight of Pastor Josh's year is Masters Week. And, and I'll tell you, this club, Augusta National, is probably the most exclusive club in the entire world. They, they, they have only 300 members in this club, and you can't apply to be a member. You have to be invited. You have to be invited by those who are already in, in the golf club. And, 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 and I'll tell you this, it's such an exclusive club that former presidents have actually been denied 
Like, there, we have former presidents that wanted to join Augusta National, and they said, yeah, no. Like, like th think about that. I, I mean, th th that, that's the kind of, of golf club that, that Augusta National is. And, and they're extremely tight-lipped about their membership dues and, and you know, their, their, their membership fees and, and all that. But, but needless to say, if you're turning down ex-presidents, you're a pretty exclusive elite club. And I'll tell you, the church was never meant to be a country club. The church was never meant to be an exclusive club where we get to pick and choose who's going to be in and who's going to be out. That the cross really is for everybody. The church is meant to be a place where doctors and drug dealers and lawyers and prostitutes, that, that those who, who, are, who's are, who are rich and those who are homeless can all come together and worship our Savior. That, that's, that's God's heart for the church, is that this, this entirely, vastly, totally different group of people can all come together and can all be one. And, and, I, and I'll tell you what, it's, it's hard for that to play out. I, I, I know that back in, in my hometown in Milwaukee, there, I, know, I know a church that it used to be a, a very kind of suburban church. It was a very white church for a long period of time. And then the demographics of the neighborhood started to change. And more, more and more black folks started to come to the church. And I tell you what, it, it, it broke my heart because there was a lot of people at that church, they started to leave. Because there were some people that they worshiped different than how we worship. They looked different than how we look. They talk differently than we talk. We're gonna go someplace else. And I guarantee you that breaks the heart of God. That the church, the cross really is for everybody. And, and it's easy for us to kind of look down our noses towards those who don't have it all together yet. Those who are messy, those who don't know all the Christian rules. But that's not, that's not the heart of God whatsoever. That his heart really is for all of us to be brothers and sisters, for us to love all of our brothers and sisters, us to love the unlovely. That, that, was, that is who God has called us to love. And, and, I'll, and I'll tell you this, for New Song, you do a great job of this. I, I, I shared this with our first Wednesday group this past week, that one of the things we consistently hear over and over again as a church is, man, New Song is such a friendly, warm, and welcoming church, that when I walked in, I just knew that people embraced me, I knew that people loved me, regardless of what I looked like. And, and I'll tell you, New Song, keep that up. Keep that up. Keep loving the unlovely. Keep loving the messy. And then the last thing I want to share with you, letter C, I want you to write this down in your sermon notes, is winning the lost requires me to be uncomfortable. Winning the lost requires me to be uncomfortable. And if, if we are going to win the lost, if we are going to lead people to Christ, if we are going to make an impact in the world, we have to get okay with the idea that it's going to be sometimes uncomfortable, that we're going to be stretched out of our normal comfort zones. And, and I'll tell you, probably one, one of the biggest reasons that people give for not sharing their faith would be because it makes, it makes me uncomfortable. Like, like what, what, if, what, if things get, what if things get weird? What, what if somebody asks me a question that I don't know the answer to? What, 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 if, what, if they, what, what if I don't know what to say? What, 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 if, what if they reject me? What if they don't want to hear what I have to say? And, and those are all very real possibilities. They really are. I, there, there's no hiding going around that fact, that all those things are very possible. But, but I do have news for you, and I want to share it with you. It's, it's in 1 Peter 
And I want you to hear what Peter has to say to all of us. He says, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. I absolutely love this verse. That you, that you know what? Yeah, we might feel uncomfortable and maybe we feel inadequate. Maybe we feel like we don't have the words to say. We don't know how, how, to, how to communicate this. But Peter's saying, you're a chosen people. You are a royal priesthood. You are a holy nation. And guess what? We are to declare the praises of him who pulled us out of darkness and into his marvelous light. And, and I want you to think about that. That, that that's, that's us telling our story. That when we declare the praises of the one who pulled us out of darkness and brought us into his marvelous light, that's just telling your story. That, that's, that's you just communicating, man, this is, this is what Jesus did for me. And, and I'll, I'll tell you, you don't have to have a big theological explanation for every question that somebody asks you. You don't have to be an evangelist. You don't have to be saved for 20 years. But you have a story. You have a story to tell. And you have people in your life who need to hear that story. And, and, and I'll tell you this, if Jesus has changed your life and set you free, if he's delivered you from the mess of your past, if, if you've been saved, you have a story to tell. Every single one of us do. We have a story to tell of how Jesus plucked us, pulled us out of darkness, and has brought us into his, his marvelous light. And there are people right now in your world, there are people right now in your sphere, in, in, in your group, who need to hear that story. We, we all have people like that. There, there are people in, in, your, in, your, in your world right now, in your life, that they just need to hear, man, Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you. This is what he's done for me. Let me tell you what he can do for you. And, and I'm, not, I'm not trying to put a guilt trip on, on anybody here. You know, because like guilt is a terrible motivator. I don't, I don't know if you know that, but it is. But heaven and hell are real. And there, there are people right now in your, in your world, in your sphere of influence, who are destined for an eternity in hell. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a real thing. And, I, and I, I'll be honest with you, I think that's worth being a little bit uncomfortable for. Like, I, I'm willing to be a little bit uncomfortable if it's going to spare somebody from an eternity separated from God. And I, I'll tell you this, Thomas Jefferson said this one time, and I've just always loved this quote. He said, if you want something you've never had, you need to be willing to do something you've never done. I, I absolutely love that quote. And so New Song, I'll, I'll tell you, we need to create some relationships with people who aren't in this church. Now, praise God for the church. I, I love the church. I love the friendships I have here. I love, I love the, the relationships. I look forward to gathering together with you guys every single Sunday and shaking hands and asking how things are going. But we need to have people outside of this church too. We need to have relationships with people that are not here on a Sunday morning. And yeah, that's gonna be uncomfortable sometimes. You know, it could be that annoying neighbor who doesn't rake up their leaves and their leaves blow on your yard and it just drives you nuts. Or, or that, that terrible coworker that you always like are trying to avoid. It could be the soccer mom who's always yelling at her kids from the sideline, or, or the checkout clerk who never makes eye contact with you. Like, we, we need to be purposeful about creating relationships with people who are outside the church. And, and I'm going to let you in on a little secret. Um, probably one of the greatest evangelism tools 
available. And, and most everybody here probably has one of these. And, and I'll tell you what it is. And it's your grill. Like you, your grill is one of the greatest evangelism tools you can possibly, possibly have. And, and, and I heard this one time and I absolutely loved this. It, it, was, it was a pastor, he was sharing his heart for evangelism. And he says, here's the deal. Barbecue first. Barbecue first. Like that, that, was, that was his his evangelism technique, and I'm sharing it with you now. Barbecue first. Invite people over to your house. Grill out with them. Get, get to learn their story. Find out who they are. What makes them tick? Where, where do they work about their kids and all this? You, you don't have to start out and saying, all right, if you were to die tonight, do you know where you would spend eternity? Like, like that? no, don't do that. Barbecue first. Start building relationships with people who aren't here. Start fostering relationships with people. Like, I, I'll tell you, God never called us to live a safe Christian life in a safe Christian bubble. That's never what he called us to do, ever. All right, if, if, you, if you read any of the early prayers of the early church, they never prayed for safety, ever. They prayed for boldness. They prayed that God would send them. And, and, I, and I'll tell you this, so some, of those, some of those conversations that you have with people, they're, they're probably going to start out superficial at first about the weather, about, you know, the, about the cubs, you know, about, about the kids, you know, that kind of stuff. But I'll tell you, eventually, you start building relationship. You start building rapport with people. And those conversations are going to start turning towards the things of God. You can start steering them towards those things. You can, you can start telling them about, hey, let me, let me tell you about something I, I learned in my small group. Let me, let me, let me tell you something. that I, we, we have this great-looking pastor at our church, and, and I tell you, he, he just said the most profound thing. Let me, let me share it with you. Like, it, it doesn't, you don't have to beat people over the head with the Bible. Just barbecue first. Engage in relationship with people. And, and, and I'll tell you this. You have people in your life right now who need Jesus. You have people in your life right now who need Jesus. And you can be the conduit that God uses to introduce them. Like, think, think about that one day. Think, think, of, think of the, when, when we're in heaven someday, can you imagine what it's gonna be like when you have people coming up to you and saying, wow, because of you, I get to be here. I get to experience this. Can you imagine what that would be like? And so I'm, I'm gonna ask you to do me a favor, new song. I, I, want you to, I want you to grab your sermon notes for just a moment. And, and, and this might seem just kind of odd, but I want, I want you to just kind of track with me for, for just a moment. I, I'm going to ask you guys all just to kind of close your eyes for just a second. And I want you just to kind of open your heart and just ask God, who are the people in my life who need Jesus? God, who, who is it that you, would, that you were putting on my heart right now that I need to focus on, that I need to be intentional about praying for? that I need to be intentional about building bridges to, building relationships. Who are those people? And I want you to just take a moment and just think. Just hear, hear from the Lord. Let him speak to you. Who are the people I know? Who are the people I care about? Who, who is, who's the person at the coffee shop or at the restaurant? My neighbor. Who's the person who's not sitting here with me today? Who should be? 
Who are my people? New song, what I want you to do, I want you to write down the names of four people right now. Write down the names of the people that God is impressing on your heart. Who is it that, God, you want me to be praying for? Who is it you want me to be reaching out to? Who do you want me building a bridge with? Who do you want me inviting over? Who do you want me to ask to coffee? Who is it, Lord, that needs me to shine a light in their lives? And, and, and I'll tell you this, new son. what I want you to do, I want you to write those four names down. And I tell you, we, we, I, I guarantee you, everybody has four people in your life right now who need Jesus. If, if you don't, you, you, need, you need to start reaching out some more. You need to start living outside of just, of just New Song Church. But I'll, t- I'll tell you this, what I want you to do with this, I want you to stick this someplace you're gonna see it on a regular basis. Stick it in your Bible. So that when, you, when you're spending time with, with God every day, that you, you can pray for these four people. And, and what I don't want you to do, I want you to, I don't want you praying, oh God, you know what? Send somebody to win them to Jesus. No, I want you praying, God, send me. Help me to get those inroads. Help me to, to reach out to them. Help me to find the ways that are gonna, that are gonna capture their heart and capture their attention. You, you can put this in your Bible, put it on your mirror, put it on your desk. I, I want you to commit new song. I, I'm gonna ask everybody in, in this room to do me a favor. I want you to commit to be praying for these four people every single day. I, I, want, I want you to make an effort to reach out to them, talk to them, engage in conversation. Because I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, if, if, if everybody today, everybody at New Song today won one person to Christ this year, by Easter next year, we would have over 1,200 people who would be filling this place. Imagine what that would be like, New Song, if everyone just won one person to Christ. I want to remind you that Jesus' greatest concern was for the lost. Jesus cares about your comfort not nearly as much as he cares about his lost children coming back to him. He's desperate. He's desperate to see his lost sons and daughters coming back to him. And I'll tell you, one of, one of the easiest ways you can do that, and you can do this with your four people, is, is take these in, invite cards. Invite them to come to church on Easter Sunday with you. You know, they're, they're gonna hear the gospel. They're gonna have an opportunity to respond, to make, to make Jesus Lord of their life. And you know what, it, it could be a gas station attendant, waitress, coworker, you name it. It could be the people who are on your list. But New Song, I'm, I'm gonna ask you, be willing to be uncomfortable. Be willing to do something maybe you've never done before to bring them into God's marvelous light. Imagine what that would be like. And I tell you, there's no greater feeling in the world. If, if you've shared Jesus with somebody, they're, they're, I, I tell you, and they respond and they come. I mean, there, there is no greater feeling than that. But I'll tell you, I'll tell you this news, and, and this isn't just about Easter. I, like, I want this to be a lifestyle thing. I, I, I truly want this to be, man, who are the people in my life that I need to be reaching out to? So I, I, I'm gonna do this. I'm, I'm gonna ask you all to stand this morning. And I, and I, just, wanna, I just wanna pray for you. I just want to pray for you this morning that, that as we get ready to go out, like that great commission, Jesus told us, I want you to go. I want you to go and I want you to make disciples. That, it, that as you're getting ready to go today, as we're leading up to Easter, and Easter is such a, a fantastic time to invite people 
to come. But I, I, want you, I want you to be serious about this. Be praying for your four people. Be purposeful about reaching out to them. So let me pray for you this morning. Lord, God, you are so good to us, Lord, and we love you so very much. God, thank you, Lord, for bringing us out of darkness and into your marvelous light. Lord, thank you, God, that we are a chosen generation, that we are a royal priesthood, a holy nation. God, that we are your special possession. God, thank you that you're using us, Lord, to make a difference here in Marshall County, Lord. God, we, we do pray for that, Lord. We don't pray for safety, Lord. We pray for boldness. God, give us boldness. Give, give us the courage to do something that maybe we've never done before. God, I pray that you give us a heart for the lost. God, help us to see how desperately the lost need you. And Father, give us hearts to pursue after. God, give us hearts to chase after those who are far from you. God, may it never be said, God of New Song, that we are an exclusive club, Lord, that, that, we're, that we're content just with our, our friends and our neighbors who are here. But God, make us uncomfortable, Lord. Send, send us the lost. God, send us the hurting. Send us the broken. God, send us the unlovely, those that nobody else wants. God, and we promise to serve them. And we promise to love them, Lord, with all of our hearts, like they're the most precious people in the world. Lord, we pray for those names that we wrote down this morning. God, we pray that you would soften the hearts of those that we wrote down. Father, that relationships would begin to bloom, that they begin to blossom, Lord, as we reach out to those who don't know you yet. Lord, you are amazing. God, and we don't wanna keep quiet about what it is that you've done in our lives, Lord, that we all have a story to share. And God, I pray that you help us to share that story with others. God, use these invitation cards to further your kingdom, Lord, that as we, we pray for our Palm Sunday and our Easter services, Lord, that, that this place is gonna be filled with people who need to hear the good news. God, because that's what your gospel is. That's what the cross is. The cross is good news. And we pray that you would just fill this place with people that need to hear it. So God, we pray that you would just saturate this place with your presence. God, saturates this place with your presence. Use us to usher your presence in here, Lord. And we humbly look to you, God, and we thank you for who you are. God, for what you're doing in our lives, what you're doing in our church, Lord. We love you so very much. And it's in the mighty and the awesome name of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen. As a church, it's our honor to play a part in what God is doing in your life. And we would love to continue on that journey with you. To find out what your next steps could be in your relationship with Christ, all you have to do is go to www.new-song-church.com backslash next steps. Thank you to all of you who consistently give, serve, and pray. You are the ones that God is using to truly make a difference in our community as we live out our mission of leading people to become fully devoted followers of Christ. We hope you tune in next week.